Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are speaking with Jamie Humanay, who recently got married at Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen at Downtown Disney in Anaheim. And I was just so intrigued by this option. It's a great alternative to a Disney's fairy tale wedding, especially at Disneyland, because Downtown Disney there is so small and manageable. So I wanted to have her on the show to talk about how she got this idea and how it all turned out. So welcome, Jamie. Hi, Carrie. Glad to be here. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm really excited to hear about what you did because I've never heard of anything like this before, and I think it could be a great option for someone who's looking for maybe a lower-cost alternative to Disney's fairy tale weddings in Anaheim. And I want to start at the very beginning and hear how you guys met and how you got engaged. Well, uh, Sean and I met before meeting online was cool. Uh, <laughs> we actually met um, through a fantasy role play chat room on AOL back in the late 1990s. Um, it basically is like writing a screenplay with someone you've never met. So we started to meet as our characters. And as our characters got to know each other, we figured out maybe the person behind these characters is pretty cool. So then we started talking out of character, and that led to exchanging phone numbers and about 13 years of between one to three hour phone calls from Michigan to California or vice versa. So we spent a long time getting to know each other, and it really gave us a good foundation to be best friends. And we kind of always carried a torch for each other, but he was in Michigan, I was in California. Neither of us had any intention of moving at the time, so we never really knew where it was going. Finally, Sean decided to join the Navy, and that was sort of the big push to finally meet face-to-face and see if this thing had wheels. Honestly, it wasn't really fair to anybody else we were dating that we had this best friend and romantic ideal halfway across the country anyway. (laughs) So we finally met face-to-face, and you know, by that point, if it wasn't like kissing a family member, then I was pretty sold that he was going to be the one, and he felt the same way. So I flew from California to his base in Georgia at the time um, on Thanksgiving Day, And everything that could go wrong during that first date did. But the great thing was we didn't care because we were finally together. And it was nothing like kissing a family member. So So all of that went swimmingly. And how we got engaged, he actually asked my parents for permission uh, via Skype or speakerphone. I don't remember which. Uh, And they really appreciated that. And they said yes. And my parents and Sean flew me out to Disney World for my birthday, and he got some leave from the Navy to spend a few days in Disney World with me. And it was on my birthday, we were walking around Epcot, and I was pretty sure something was going to happen. So he enjoyed toying with me all day long, you know, walking me through a world showcase, having me sit on a bench. Hey, let's just relax for a few minutes. I'm thinking it's going to happen any minute now. And then he'd get up and walk me around some more. (laughs) Finally, we got to Illuminations, and he just whispered in my ear, will you marry me? It was very sweet and very direct, and I turned to him, and my initial reaction was, does this one count? (laughs) Because we had talked about it for years before. 
but it wasn't a traditional proposal. It wasn't down on one knee or anything. I couldn't see the ring because it was the fireworks and it was dark. So I wasn't sure if he was really serious or not. And uh, then he finally showed me the ring. I'm like, oh, yes, of course. But <laughs> um, up until that point, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if we were just daydreaming here, if it was real. So, But it turned out to be real and it was fabulous and uh, set the bar pretty high for every subsequent birthday, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, no way you can top that. Right. <laughs> so you had a Disney engagement. Now, what made you choose Disneyland for your wedding? Uh, that's where it gets kind of funny because we had actually originally um, chosen Shades of Green in Disney World. We just we didn't have the budget to pull off a Disney fairy tale wedding and be able to invite the people we needed to invite. I and mean, his family alone is, oh gosh, I think he has between brother in laws and his immediate siblings, he's got about eight people right there. Um, so if we were going to do something like an escape wedding, it would have been really cutting out a lot of family members to even make that work. So. When we were thinking East Coast and we were thinking Disney World, we ended up thinking Shades of Green, which is the military resort right next to the Polynesian. So it's right on Disney property. You get a lot of the Disney perks for a much more affordable price tag. Unfortunately, the Navy didn't agree with us as far as our wedding times went. So we ended up having to postpone a few times. The third rescheduling was for February of 2013. But in April of this year, 2012, uh, we found out that my dad had pancreatic cancer, which is pretty aggressive. And my family lives on the West Coast. They live completely in California. So we immediately decided to uproot everything and try to pull the wedding off as soon as we could closer to my family so that my dad wouldn't have to travel. Um, chemotherapy and your immune system and airplanes don't go really well together. So uh, we were looking at Disneyland, but we, again, we just couldn't find a venue. There's nothing like Shades of Green out there for military families to pull it off at. So I went to uh, the Disney wedding mentors at the Disney wedding blog, now uh, Magical Day Weddings, and they came up with the idea of a downtown Disney wedding. So when I thought of downtown Disney, I immediately thought of Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. I've been there for my birthdays before, and it's just a really great place to kind of celebrate life and kick back, enjoy some great food. Uh, we like jazz music a lot, so that sort of fit. So we decided to just kind of embrace the theme and, and go with the Jazz Kitchen. Uh, as soon as I emailed them, they immediately got back to me, basically saying we can use their entire top floor uh, on a Sunday afternoon just for the food and beverage minimum. So it was within our budget, and they were more than willing to work with us. So it turned out to be a perfect fit. That's really cool. Now, what was the setup like? You had the whole top floor. Did the ceremony take place in one place and the reception in another, or how did that work? Well, the, the top floor includes a balcony a room that they call the Queen's Room, which is painted in red and has a lot of like Mardi Gras details around the edge of the room. Uh, there's an outdoor bar. There's what they call the Wine Room, which has a whole uh, wall with uh, wine racks filled to the gills. And that actually opens up into what they call the Parlor Room, which is the larger dining room there. So we ended up having our reception and our ceremony in the Parlor Room, but we used the queen's room for dressing and some bridal portraits in there and then we ended up walking through part of the wine room as they cleared an aisle for us for the parlor room so our guests ended up seated in the seats they were going to sit at the reception for the wedding as well so it made it actually really easy for people to find the location they didn't have to go anyplace else they could just relax and mingle immediately after the ceremony because most of our family didn't have an opportunity to meet before then um, so it turned out to be just a really easy way to do it, even though our guests were seated at their tables during the ceremony. How many guests did you have? 
Uh, we had about uh, 55, 56, and about a handful of those were children. Okay, cool. If you don't mind me asking, what were the food and beverage minimums for a group that size? Um, just for that floor, for the parlor room and the rest of that floor, they usually don't use it on Sunday afternoons. So they were basically making money off of a time when they would normally be closed. So they charged us $1,500 plus 20% as service charge and tax. Wow. And so all you had to do was meet $1,500 in food and beverage. There were no venue fees or anything like that. Nope, no venue fees at all. So it was very, very doable for us. Definitely, especially for a group that large. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you hire a wedding planner to help you run the event or how did that go? Um, we didn't hire a wedding planner per se, but we immediately started asking friends for help. And I think that would be like the number one tip I would give anyone is if you know someone who might want to help you out, give them the opportunity. You might be surprised that they step up to a plate. We did end up using uh, Bruno Duarte, and he's the event coordinator at Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. And he helped us out as far as like planning the time frame on when he wanted food to come out, when we would actually be doing the ceremony, um, when he needed the DJ to get there, and those sort of details. So that really helped me lay out a plan that I could communicate to different people what they needed to do. And also, um, I'm friends with Terry Berry from the Window to the Magic podcast. And she had some background in event planning before and lives in the area. So it really helped me out to have somebody physically there with eyes and ears that I could uh, send out to different places. They tried out our bakeries for us. They went to about five of them before they found one we could use. <laughs> that was within our budget. And I was able to ship like decorations and things to her in advance, and then they could bring them to the site. So that was a huge help, too. So though we didn't hire anybody in specific, we had a few people pitch in, and that really made it doable. And how did you find your vendors for other things like DJ, floral, things like that? Google and asking around. I was lucky enough to have roomed uh, with a few creative people in my past. I've done a lot of community theater and things like that. And my old roommate is now a professional DJ. So he was more than willing to loan us his DJ services for the day, which saved us an incredible amount of money. Paul Berry from the Window to the Magic podcast uh, also has a background in videography. So he offered right off the bat to do some videography for us. And that was a huge savings. That was one thing I had researched and was pretty sure I couldn't afford anyway. Uh, so that was a, a definite plus. And I also started poking around on, on a Magical Day wedding blog that back then it was the Disney wedding blog. And that's where I found a few different photographers. I emailed them, let, us, let them know our situation and our dates and our very small budget. A few of them we weren't able to work with, but um, Jenna from White Rabbit Photography stepped up and said she could work with us, and she was been fabulous. It really seems like everybody fell into place exactly where they needed to be. Um, some of our vendors we actually ended up finding through Bruno, the event coordinator. He had some connections in town. We couldn't go with his baker. Unfortunately, when a lot of bakers hear wedding, they also suddenly hear that flour is made of gold. And we obviously didn't have the budget for that kind of thing. So we ended up using Dream Cakes as our vendor after tasting a bunch of different cakes and trying to find something in our budget. And they were amazing because, as you know, when you do destination weddings, trying to take cake home is sort of a lost cause. <laughs> so we ended up getting enough cake to feed about uh, 60 people. And we ended up taking a little bit on our honeymoon and having a bite here and there. And it was all great. It was all delivered. And it was 260 bucks for the cake. Uh, so it was well, well within our little tiny budget. And yeah, we had no complaints at all. I ended up finding a lot of the vendors through the Disney wedding blog, which is now renamed the Magical Day wedding blog. 
Um, and I just looked through what other brides had done in their photos and links to vendors from there and emailed a few of them to see what we could do as far as things like hair and makeup and photography mostly. Unfortunately, there were a few of them that were just out of our price range that couldn't really work with us. But Jenna from White Rabbit Boutique Photography ended up jumping right on board and saying she'd be happy to help us out and do our photos for the whole day. And she was just amazing. Uh, we had a great time working with her and, and, and an assistant of hers. Um, I ended up getting my hair and makeup done at Flawless Faces. That tip for that, keeping that in budget, was really just getting up early in the morning and driving down to their studio, which was only about 20 minutes away from the Disneyland Hotel, uh, rather than trying to get people to come to me. <laughs> So yeah, those were pretty much our three major uh, major vendors there. Uh, we did end up using Bruno's connection for florists just for an arch because we actually had a completely flower-free wedding other than a big archway, which I guess sort of counts. It's greenery. It's just not green. <laughs> <laughs> and then did you have any Disney touches or have a theme? We did. Um, Sean is big into Japanese animation. So we were trying to find a way to marry the Japanese animation part that he really enjoys and my Disney-ness. So we ended up finding out that Stitch from Lilo and Stitch has a girlfriend named Angel. Uh, you don't really see her in the movie. In fact, you don't see her in the movie at all. But she makes one appearance on the American cartoon show Lilo and Stitch. But she makes multiple appearances on the Japanese version of this cartoon show. We watched a few episodes, really liked it, and decided to incorporate them. So we had the mother of one of my bridesmaids make us a cake topper. She does professional clay work. So she made a beautiful cake topper of Stitch carrying his girlfriend, Angel. And then she also incorporated pieces from our wedding. Um, I had carried a peacock feather fan. So Angel and our cake topper carried a peacock feather fan. And they had lots of little hidden Mickeys all over the statue, which was really fun. I also uh, took some shrink-eating paper while I was on the plane from our home in Seattle to California, and I drew out a Stitch character and an Angel character and colored them, and then I shrunk them down when I got to California, and my maid of honor sewed them onto my Vans, the shoes that I wore for the wedding. So I had my own little charms on my shoes. And we also ended up putting some hidden Mickeys here and there. I had a few crystal hidden Mickeys on the back of my wedding fan, and a friend of ours had embroidered Mickey to match the embroidery on my gown, like little Mickey heads right at the bottom of the back of my gown. So it was really kind of cool to just throw a few Disney touches in there without it being overwhelming or seeming really cartoony. Uh, and it worked with a really colorful, lively atmosphere of the jazz kitchen. That's great. And it sounds like they were some of them were unusual things that you might not think of as ways to incorporate Disney without being like over the top Disney. Yeah, I think that was one of the great things about doing a downtown Disney wedding is if you have somebody in the party that maybe would frown on a Disney wedding feeling like it's too cartoon or too commercial or something along those lines, this really gave us a chance to use as much of it as we wanted or as little of it as we wanted. And then there's something else non-traditional you did, you mentioned with your ring ceremony? Oh, that's right. Um, we decided to just stick with basic rings. I still have my engagement ring from Sean, and it's beautiful. It's got a few diamonds in it, and when I'm wearing it, obviously you can see that I'm with somebody. <laughs> so I didn't really feel a need to get another band on top of that right now, and especially since it wasn't really in our budget. And since he's a submariner, he can very rarely wear rings anyway. He wears a little titanium one around the house, but he can't wear them whenever he's working. So we decided not to do a ring ceremony. Instead, I wrote the ceremony, and we did a hand blessing ceremony, and we did a love letter box. 
And everyone was really moved by the love letter box. Basically, it was just a, a pine box that I decorated that um, the night before we'd sat down and written love letters to each other and sealed them in envelopes. And the presentation we made uh, with the officiant at the ceremony was that these were to be opened at our 25th anniversary or if our marriage ever falls into a really dark period and we're struggling. Um, we're to add a letter to it every year. But if we ever hit that 25 year mark or when we hit any struggling, troubled times, we're able to open them and kind of, you know, relive the love and the memories of the day and sort of help us rekindle anything that might be that might be lacking or struggling at that point. So it was a really nice touch to move forward with. But we didn't feel like we missed anything and no one felt it was out of place that we didn't do a traditional ring exchange at all. That's a great idea. So it sounds like personalizing the wedding was really important to you. Were there other aspects of the event where you focused most of your budget or just your time and your attention? Well, I think a lot of it for us was it it just really took a village to make the whole wedding happen. We ended up planning our entire event in about 95 days from booking day to finish. So so it was kind of an intensive process. So we didn't have, you know, a year to mull over exactly what color bridesmaids dresses we wanted. And those kind of decisions. So it really came from your heart and it kind of came from the gut and what felt right and what worked for us. And I think in hindsight, I actually think that was probably a better way of doing it than having have put the wedding off and then having another whole year to try to make all decisions. And then you second guess yourself when you really go with your instinct. It seems like you get something that's really the two of you. And once we had all those details worked out, we were really able to focus on the love and the people in the room and the people that were there. And it really kept things uh, simple and really kept it in perspective. That's a great point. Yeah, I found that too. I mean, we had five months to plan, but it was sort of like, okay, I need a bouquet. I'm going to go through some magazines. There's one I like, done. Move on to the mm-hmm. next thing. And it, it, there's, yeah, you're right. There's something about having the time limit that just makes you a lot more decisive than usual. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a great thing. And, and, you know, it also made us a little, uh, it made it a little easier to ask for help because we're able to go to some of these people that I know of in like the community theater world. And I explained to this woman who's an amazing community theater set designer, why she's not a professional. I don't know, but she does it for the love of it. And to show her a picture of this peacock fan and say, Hey, I want to do this, but I only have 50 bucks. (laughs) What can you do? And she threw together this incredibly gorgeous piece that was actually a few steps above anything I had shown her pictures of. Um, so being able to just go to people and say, hey, I need some help with this. Can you help? It really helped bond everybody together and made it really more of an event that we got to appreciate our guests more than it was totally focused on us. So it was really a great sort of roundtable of love and gratitude that went around them. So it made it for a perfect day. Now, I feel bad asking this then as my next question, but was there anything that did go wrong or didn't turn out like you expected? And how did that get resolved? Uh, this was actually pretty funny. Our only major problem, well, minor problem, <laughs> was we ended up with two DJs. My friend who's a roommate, and this is the downside of using friends, sometimes they're not the most communicative, something comes up, they end up not being able to fulfill their end of the bargain, whatever. But something similar to that happened where I was expecting our DJ to have gotten in touch with the site ahead of time and worked out some of the details. Well, when I got there for the rehearsal, it turns out we couldn't get a hold of him for some reason, and he'd never talked to the coordinator, the event coordinator at the site, Bruno. So we were suddenly the day before the wedding going, oh my gosh, we have no DJ, what do we do? And we have no money for a DJ, because <laughs> we thought we had this handled. But, you know, Bruno was wonderful. He came right to the rescue. He said, you know, I know a few friends. They're probably not doing anything on a Sunday afternoon. They DJ. 
would you be willing to throw them a little bit of money so that they come do it? We said, sure. So day of the wedding rolls around and I get a call from Sean saying that we have two DJs. What do I do? (laughs) So we ended up using my roommate who really, really did want to do it, but we just couldn't, our wires just got crossed that day or something. Um, And we ended up giving a hundred bucks to the other DJ for his time in trouble. But it it turned out to work perfectly. So if that was the worst thing that could happen, (laughs) I guess we really won on that aspect. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then did you add any other events? Did you make like a weekend out of it with maybe a bridal tea or a welcome party or anything like that? We really had, we wanted to do some other things, but we really wanted to also keep one-on-one interactions as much as we could. And we didn't have the budget. We threw our entire wedding for about $4,000 and that included our hotel stay. So we really wanted to try to work in more things, but we couldn't afford to sponsor them. So what I came up with was a concept called the sip and snack. We would make reservations somewhere or we would decide to meet at a certain lounge at a certain place and people would show up if they'd like to and hang out, have a drink, not have a drink, eat dinner, whatever worked for their budget. It was absolutely no pressure. It was very come as you are and relaxed. And it worked out really well. Um, we ended up meeting some of my bridal party at Trader Sam's, which is a wonderful, fun tiki bar in the Disneyland Hotel. And we had some drinks and some laughs. And after our our rehearsal, we ended up doing a sip and snack lunch style at Tortilla Joe's right across the way from, from Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. You can walk there in two minutes if that. We'd made reservations for about 20 people and they sat us and some people had appetizers. Some people just had a drink, but we got to mingle and chat. And even in hindsight, I've never heard anyone say they've heard feelings that they traveled all this way and all we were able to throw for them was the reception. Um, everybody seemed to have a really good time. And if they didn't show up, it was no hard feelings on us because we hadn't you know, paid for a certain head count or anything like that. So it was very casual, relaxed, and it worked out really well. Cool. Now, so do you have any tips for anyone who might be considering an alternative to Disney's fairy tale wedding? They want to get married at Disneyland or even uh, Disney World's downtown Disney. Any tips for them? My biggest tip, I guess, would say is think out of the box. Uh, if you can't do a Disney fairy tale wedding, one thing we loved was we could still do Disneyland and d- type things with our guests. We did try to have everyone meet us on a Friday at the parks before the wedding, just so we could all hang out at the parks together if they were so inclined to go to the parks. It gave us a chance to really just enjoy our weekend with people, but not pack it so much. And it was within our budget. I've got to admit, the best part about starting out a new life together is starting out with as little debt as possible. So not having to take out a loan for a wedding was really, really important to us. So I would always encourage people to stay within their budget Honestly, no one will know. (laughs) And we had a lot of fun also going flower free. So I really encourage people to maybe take that look at it. We ended up using Mardi Gras beads and Mardi Gras masks as our decor. Our guests wore the beads home and our masks we used as place cards and they wore the masks and they used them as favors and they also took those home as well. Everything left over went to a charity group. So it all it all seemed to work out really well. And we didn't have to worry about flowers dying, another delivery point or anything like that. And we got to customize. So that would sort of be my my biggest tip, I think, is just go with your gut, customize. And if you can do it without starting out hugely in debt, it might be worth a thought. Great advice. Definitely. 
Is there any place online people can go to see photos or maybe read about your wedding? Uh, yeah, I'm currently blogging about my wedding on my blog, and that's at www.jsjourneybook. It's jsjourneybook.com. And I have links to all my other blogs from there and my vendors and things like that. So that'll probably be the best source. And you can also find me on Facebook as jhumanay, J-A-Y-H-U-M-E-N-A-Y. And I'd be happy to chat with anyone thinking about a, doing a downtown Disney wedding. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I think it'll be really helpful to anyone who's considering this. And I really appreciate your coming along. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Carrie. I appreciate it. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com.